2: This podcast contains graphic content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised.
1: True North True Crime is produced on the territories of the Coast Salish
2: people.
3: Nadia was last seen on Friday, December 8th at around 6.30 a.m. in the area of 48th Street and 146th Avenue. Her vehicle was located later that day, around 12.30 in the afternoon, in the Rundle Park area. The Edmonton Police Service Search Manager's Unit, in conjunction with the Missing Persons Unit, has conducted a number of coordinated searches across the city, and the resources included SARDA and AIR-1. Another search by AIR is planned for tomorrow. The investigation remains very active, and we are relying on the assistance of the public to help us find Nadia. We are not treating the investigation as suspicious at this time. If you believe you have seen her or you have information about her disappearance, you are encouraged to contact the EPS immediately. Time is of the essence in any missing persons investigation and it is critical that if you are to spot her, to contact us right away. We encourage you not to wait.
1: At approximately 4 p.m. on the afternoon of Friday, December 8th, 2017, Edmonton Police Service were alerted to a car crashed into a ditch near the exit of Rundle Park. The black Chevy Equinox had gone off the road and came to a stop against some thick bushes. Inside the car was a cell phone and a hijab. Outside of the car was a single running shoe. The owner of the car, a 32-year-old school teacher and mother, was nowhere to be found. Almost five years later, all searches, investigations, and attempts to find her have been fruitless. Tonight, we present the disappearance of Nadia Atwi, and you are listening to True North True Crime.
2: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of True North True Crime. Thanks for joining us. We have some super exciting news. For those of you who want more True North True Crime content, you're in luck. July 15th we are launching our Patreon. We will have three membership tiers, so if you want ad-free episodes, early releases so you can hear our episodes before everyone else, or bonus episodes, we're going to have a tier that works for you. So on July 15th, you can find us at patreon.com slash tntcpod. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash tntcpod. We can't wait for you all to join us. We have a lot of interesting bonus content planned. Okay, let's get into tonight's episode.
1: So tonight we are talking about the disappearance of 32-year-old Nadia Otwi. Nadia was last seen in the early morning hours of December 8th, 2017. Nadia was living and working as a school teacher in Edmonton, Alberta where she resided with her husband and 2-year-old son. The circumstances of her disappearance are suspicious and it is out of character for her to be out of contact with her mother and father. According to the Edmonton Police Service, Nadia Atwi was last seen in the area of 48th Street and 146th Avenue at approximately 6.30 a.m. Police also say that she may have been near or in Rundle Park, where her vehicle and her personal belongings were found.
2: Nadia is described as a woman, 178 to 180 pounds, and 5 foot 8 with dark brown hair, brown eyes, and last seen wearing dark clothing. She may also be wearing a hijab and one or no shoes. Anyone with any information related to Nadia's disappearance is asked to call the Edmonton Police Service. We put this episode together using publicly available news articles and a Facebook group called Missing Nadia Otwi.
1: Recently, David Ridgen of the CBC did a multi episode deep dive into this case on his podcast, The Next Call. We will be talking about some details from that podcast. David had some exclusive interviews that brought forth never-before-revealed aspects of this case. We highly recommend that you listen to The Next Call and Someone Knows Something. Those are both exceptional podcasts created by David Ridgen. As an additional content warning, this episode contains content related to mental health, suicide, and other difficult subject matter. So, please take care of yourself if you choose to listen to this
2: episode. This case takes place in the city of Edmonton, Alberta. Edmonton is the capital city of the western province of Alberta. The city has a population of about one million people, making it Canada's fifth largest city. The city has a very diverse population and sits on Treaty 6 territory. Edmonton's economy has largely relied on the oil and gas sector, but that has diversified a lot in the last decade. Since 2017, the number of violent crimes reported in Edmonton have increased 8.79% year-over-year and increased 19.8% in the last five years. However, the city of Edmonton has released a new initiative to make Edmonton the safest city in Canada by year 2030.
1: Nadi's parents, Salwa and Akram, were both born and educated in Lebanon, Salwa, Nadia's mother attended Lebanese University where she received a B.A. in political science and education. Eventually, Salwa and Akram moved to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Salwa attended the University of Alberta and became a teacher. Nadia was their first child and was born in Edmonton. Salwa and Akram would also have another daughter and two sons. The family did live in Calgary for a while, but Edmonton is the place that they call home. So Nadia was born, raised, and educated in Canada, and the family has strong ties to the Lebanese community in
2: Edmonton. Nadia also went to the University of Alberta to become a school teacher. However, she did not enter into teaching right away. Nadia is described by people who know her as full of life and happiness. She is incredibly close with her family and friends, and she's a natural teacher and very fashionable. On a trip to Lebanon with her family, Nadia met a man named Ali. When she returned to Canada, Ali and Nadia continued a long-distance relationship. Nadia returned to Lebanon and the two got engaged. Eventually, in 2013, Ali moved to Canada.
1: Nadia and Ali would get married, and then in 2015, Nadia gave birth to the couple's son, Mohammed. In July of 2017, they bought a house in Edmonton. Around this time, Ali's mother came to live with them. While in Canada, Ali worked as an apprentice electrician and in transportation logistics. He was often away for work in Yellowknife and other locations. When he was at home in Edmonton, he supplemented the family income by delivering pizzas. It seemed that the summer of 2017 had a lot to offer Nadia. In July that year, she was offered a teaching position at Al-Bakir Academy, a Shia Islamic school in the southwest of Edmonton. Salwa, Nadia's mother, had recently retired from teaching, but she chose to go back to teaching as an opportunity to work alongside her daughter. Nadia and Salwa's homes were near one another, and the school was a 40 minute drive away, so Salwa and Nadia would carpool together every morning and then again in the afternoon. They would communicate with one another once they dropped each other off in the afternoon to decide who would be driving the next morning.
2: Before we move on to the day that Nadia went missing, we need to address a topic that comes up a lot in her disappearance, and that topic is her mental health. Often when a person goes missing and they are also living with a mental health diagnosis, this diagnosis can become a focus of their disappearance and impede people from looking at other avenues. We want to address that this is a part of the case, but we want to be clear that this isn't the totality of this missing person's investigation.
1: So around 2008 to 2009, Nadia began to feel overwhelmed and stressed while in university. In 2010, Nadia was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. According to Salwa, Nadia's bipolar would present in two ways. When she was up... Nadia appeared more bossy, in control and confident, and then when she was down, she would be quiet. Salwa has never known Nadia to be manic or unapproachable. She has also never known Nadia to present with suicidal ideation. The principal at Nadia’s school has stated that Nadia’s mental health was never an issue at work, nor was it something that came up during her interview or vetting process as a teacher. Ali, Nadia's husband, however, has stated that her bipolar diagnosis did cause him concerns. He refers to these as times that Nadia was disoriented. He also has stated that he had called the police for wellness checks for Nadia. Now obviously this is deeply personal and private information and cannot be corroborated by the Edmonton Police Service.
2: So as we mentioned, Nadia and Salwa would carpool to the school in the mornings and then drive together home when the workday ended. Their homes were about six minutes apart in northwest Edmonton and the school was a 40-minute drive in south Edmonton. On Thursday, December 7th, 2017, Salwa and Nadia completed the Islamic Sunset Prayer at school and then drove home. Salwa dropped Nadia off between 5 and 5.30 p.m., Nadia invited Salwa in for a coffee. Salwa declined the coffee as she was feeling tired and felt it was time to go home to rest. The next morning, December 8th, 2017, Salwa woke up and she hadn't heard from Nadia about carpooling. Nadia's husband was in town that week, so he would need Nadia's car for delivering pizzas, so Salwa assumed that she would be driving Nadia to work.
1: Salwa drove to Nadia's house and arrived at around 7.24 a.m. The light outside was on and the garage door was closed. The sun in Edmonton in December rises at about 8.30 a.m. From inside the car, Salwa phoned Nadia multiple times, but Nadia did not answer. Salwa then got out of her car and approached the front door of the house. She knocked on the door and Ali, Nadia's husband, open the door. Salwa asked where Nadia was. Ali then closed the door in her face. Salwa then went back to her car and waited for Nadia. But Nadia did not come out of the house. Salwa again went back to the door of the house. The door this time was ajar and Salwa leaned into the door and called out, where's Nadia? According to Salwa, Ali stated, she's not here and then began to yell at her, and according to Salwa, was very disrespectful.
2: Salwa went back to her car, called her own husband, and said, if Nadia comes to pick me up, tell her I drove to school. Salwa was concerned that she was going to be late, and assumed that maybe Nadia had already driven to school. Keep in mind, the garage door was closed, and she didn't know if the car was there or not. Salwa drove the 40 minutes to school, and when she arrived, Nadia was not there. While at school, Sawa phoned and texted Nadia multiple times with no response. The principal of the school also called Nadia, but no one answered.
1: At around noon, Ali arrived at the school. As he didn't have the car that day, he had a friend drive him. Ali, of course, had to deliver food that day, and he assumed that Nadia had taken the car, so he had gone to the school to retrieve it. Ali asked the principal and some teachers if they had seen Nadia. They had not, so Ali left. According to the principal, Ali phoned the school shortly after he left to say that he had reported Nadia as a missing person to the Edmonton Police Service.
2: At around 4pm, a concerned citizen contacted the Edmonton Police Service to report an abandoned car near the exit to Rundle Park. Rundle Park is a large green space in Edmonton that runs along the North Saskatchewan River. Nadia's black Chevy Equinox was found crashed into thick bushes and partially overturned in a ditch. Nadia was nowhere to be found. The driver's side door was completely blocked, so if someone exited the vehicle, it was through the passenger side door. Outside of the car was one single shoe believed to be Nadia's. The frozen snow-covered ground revealed no footsteps walking away from the car.
1: The discovery of the car abandoned and crashed left many people wondering if Nadia had wandered away from the car, possibly disoriented. If the single shoe found at the crash site was indeed Nadia's, this would mean that she walked away from the car wearing only one shoe in the snow. The area around her car was covered with thick bushes. There was snow and ice on the ground and the temperature that day was minus 6 with a high of one degree. We are now going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors.
4: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress.
1: Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt.
4: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare.
0: only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: All right, we're back. So before the break, we outlined the timeline leading up to the disappearance of 32-year-old Nadia Atwi. On the morning of December 8th, 2017, Nadia's mother showed up at Nadia's North Edmonton home to drive her to work. But Nadia was not there. Repeated phone calls and text messages went unanswered. Shortly after noon, Nadia was reported as a missing person. Then, at approximately 4 p.m., Nadia's car was found crashed into a ditch in Edmonton's Rundle Park. Many people believe that Nadia's husband, Ali, was the last person to see Nadia. His account of both the night before and the day she went missing are as follows.
1: Ali has stated in interviews that he was working in his home office on the night of December 7, 2017. He states that he went to his home office at around 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. to fill out his Canadian citizenship application. Then, around 11 p.m., Nadia came into his office with their son and asked him when he was coming to bed. She then left the office and put her son to bed. Ali states that Nadia was then in bed with her son and she was crying. He also says that Nadia returned to his office around 3 a.m. According to Ali, Nadia asked him words to the effect of, how long are we going to continue living separate in this house? Then, an argument ensued. Next, he says that she went to bed, and that he went to bed around 5 a.m. It is unclear if they slept in the same room.
2: Ali then states that he heard Nadia wake up about five minutes later, and that she was mumbling in another language. He didn't understand the words. Then Nadia's alarm went off at 6 a.m., Ali says that he didn't open his eyes, but that he sensed Nadia was getting dressed for work. He states that the next thing he remembers is around 7am and it's Salwa knocking at the front door looking for Nadia. He says that he searched his home and couldn't find Nadia, but that his car was gone so he assumed she took it. He texted and called Nadia with no answer. At around 10am he asked his friend to drive him to the school because he needed the car in order to deliver pizzas. Ali states that at this point, when he confirmed that she was not at the school, he then phoned the police to report her as a missing person. Ali has hinted that because he was a former police officer in Lebanon, he knew that it was important for him as a husband to report Nadia missing right away. He also stated that he understands that suspicions would fall to him if she went missing.
1: Recent revelations have illustrated that this was not a happy marriage. A neighbor has stated that he often heard one-sided yelling coming from Nadia and Ali's home, often at 3 a.m., and only ever a man's voice. A family friend of Nadia's has revealed that Nadia and Ali recently had a ceremony known as an Islamic divorce. This is sometimes used as a temporary measure for couples to work out their issues like a trial separation, With an Islamic divorce, couples are still legally married in Canada, but they are not permitted to engage in the intimacy of a marriage. The length of this Islamic divorce was supposed to last about 90 days. This possibly explains why Ali claims that Nadia stated, how long are we going to live separate like this?
2: Friends and relatives of Nadia state that they saw recent changes in Nadia that correspond with stress, including sadness, sudden weight loss, and weight gain, withdrawing from people and speaking in whispers when her mother-in-law was near. Ali says that Nadia was an angel, but that her bipolar diagnosis was a problem for him. He claims that he had called the police about Nadia's well-being multiple times as recently as February of 2017. He also states that she disappeared six other times in the past. One time after six hours, she presented herself at the police station.
1: Nadia's parents refute the majority of these claims that Nadia has run away in the past. They state that Nadia has never ran away, however, she was known to take long drives to clear her head. On one occasion, she drove three hours to Calgary to buy some sweets at a Lebanese bakery. On another occasion, she drove to the town of Gibbons. On both of these occasions, she was in constant contact with her father or parents. The day she presented herself at the Edmonton police station is not really clear. According to Salwa, Ali had a fight with Nadia and took her car keys away. Nadia then went for a walk and six hours later entered the police station. The reason for this is still opaque.
2: According to Ali, he has completely participated in the investigation. He has had interviews with investigators. He's surrendered his devices, including phones and computers, But there have been some other concerning reports from friends and family of Nadia. Apparently, while the two were still together but living in a separation, as well as after Nadia's disappearance, Ali had been on Tinder and messaging women. A neighbor also reported women arriving and leaving his home. Nadia's family members have also reported that the couple were not getting along. They also admit to having a strained relationship with Ali. He has also been using Nadia's phone, SIM card, credit cards, and accessed her Facebook profile in the time after she went missing. Here is a portion of Ali's media plea in the days after Nadia went missing.
4: I'm begging on you, Nadia, to come back home today. And me, your son, every member in your family, everybody in Edmonton, an award waiting for you. Everybody who loved you waiting waiting you we don't believe that you you're not there yet. We like come back to your son. He you just call your name every day at night when I get back home after a long search day on you. Just come back please. We're all waiting you here. And we are doing our best to just find you wherever you are.
1: The searches continued for Nadia around the Edmonton area, including helicopters, dogs, and people searches. Many people were concerned that perhaps Nadia had wandered into the North Saskatchewan River either by accident or on purpose. In order to do this, Nadia would have had to walk through heavy brush and snow for about six minutes on a dark and cold Edmonton morning. The North Saskatchewan River does not completely freeze during the winter. It usually is about three quarters frozen. The frozen side was on the side of Rundle Park, and this would have been Nadia's access point. The unfrozen side was on the opposite riverbank to where Nadia was. Because of the cold water temperatures, bodies in the river tend to sink for a longer period of time.
2: The Edmonton Police Service and RCMP do routine spring searches of the river after the ice melt. Some bodies have been known to travel hundreds of kilometers from where they entered the river. Neither Nadia or her clothing has been found in the river. The only activities in her phone, social media, bank accounts, or credit cards has been by her husband, Ali. On December 17, 2017, a candlelight vigil was held in Nadia's honor. It was a time for the community to come together and raise awareness for Nadia. About 100 people gathered in Churchill Square. Many people held candles and some family members delivered emotional speeches. Emotions were running high, and shortly after the vigil started, it erupted in chaos. Video of the vigil shows Ali running away being chased by a crowd. Several other men were pushing and shoving. People were screaming, Search dogs were barking and candles were broken on the ground. One woman was treated by paramedics when ambulance crews and police showed up. Ali, who fled the scene, returned with his two-year-old son in his arms. He quickly spoke with reporters.
3: Ali?
4: I don't know. I have no, I have no answers for, for that. The police uh, do their job. Why did
3: that happen? We don't understand.
4: <laughs> the, the people are emotional and you have to be understandable in that moment. Somebody called you a murderer. How does that feel? You have to, that's understandable. It's all all connecting to, to the police system and to the justice system in this country.
1: It has never been completely clear what started the fight at the vigil. In the aftermath of the incident, members of Nadia's missing group called for cooler heads to prevail, but no one spoke publicly about the details leading up to the altercation. One family friend has recently come forward to David Ridgen. He says that Nadia's sister-in-law was delivering a speech about Nadia and Nadia's kindness. As she was finishing up her speech, Ali approached the group and began yelling. He stated words to the effect of, It's all your fault that Nadia is missing, and then threw a candle at his sister-in-law. He then ran away as the group chased him.
2: Shortly afterwards, Ali filed a protection order against specific members of Nadia's family, which stated that repeated accusations have made him unsafe. There is also evidence of a civil claim filed by Ali stating that he and his mother were assaulted at the vigil. So, clearly there are tensions between the family and Ali, and it would seem that there were challenges in the marriage. However, the fact remains that Nadia went missing on that December morning in 2017, So what other information is out there? The house across the street from Ali and Nadia's home does have a security camera, but it does not show the garage door across the street. The only useful footage from that camera shows Salwa driving up to the home at around 7.24am on the morning of December 8th. Salwa drives away a short time later. However, a huge piece of evidence was reported in the Next Call podcast about Nadia's case. We now know that there is dashcam footage from Nadia's car on the morning she disappeared. Multiple people, family members, have been asked to view this dashcam footage. Several of them reported what they viewed to David Ridgen. The following is a bit of a recap. Again, if you want to hear all of this information in full, please listen to the next call with David Ridgen.
1: The dashcam in the car did not come stock with the Chevy Equinox. It's an aftermarket dashcam that can be purchased on Amazon. By design, it records any movement outside of the car, even when parked. Or it records outside of the car continuously while driving. The camera also records voices inside of the car. A very important factor is turning the camera off. In order to turn off the dash cam, you have to press and hold the power button for 3 seconds. The camera does not turn off if it simply becomes disconnected. The timestamps on the dash cam are not correct as the camera may not have been programmed properly. And keep in mind this footage has not been released to the public. However, it is believed that the footage takes place between 6am and 7am on the morning of December 8th. In the footage, it is dark out. The sun rose at around 8.30 a.m. that day. It is never really clear who is driving
2: the car. The video starts with the car reversing out of the garage, then leaving the driveway. The car drives around for a while. Eventually, the car enters Rundle Park and drives the loop. The car passes by the place that it would eventually crash and then leaves the park. The car then drives a portion of Anthony Henday Drive, which loops around Edmonton. Eventually, the car returns to Rundle Park. As the car begins to go downhill, the camera shuts off. Keep in mind, this happens by purposefully pressing the power button. The car is found crashed in some bushes about 20 meters from the point where the camera turns off.
1: At issue during the recording, aside from the camera being turned off right before the car crashed, is a voice that is heard on the recording. It only happens once. Friends and family describe the voice as a muffled grunt. There is no crying or talking that occurs. No sounds of someone in distress, so to speak. The voice is low, like deep Family members who have listened to the voice do not believe that this is Nadia. However, Ali believes that this is indeed Nadia, and that she is reacting to a possible text message or phone call that was coming in on her phone, the way a person may vocalize a reaction to an incoming call that they didn't want to respond to. The camera then comes on again around 4 p.m., and you can hear police officers presumably finding the dash cam at the crash site. The next time the camera comes on and has a visual is when the investigators are handling it at the police
2: station. Okay, so let's just take a moment to recap the facts of this case so far. Nadia was a capable schoolteacher, daughter, and friend. She was married and loved her son. She had just started a new job, She owned a home and she had deep community connections. However, her marriage was having challenges. It seemed that these were challenges that she wanted to work through. In the past, she had had mental health struggles. Her family, friends, and employer have stated that this was not a barrier for her. However, her husband states that it indeed was an issue. Then, on the evening of December 7th, she said goodnight to her mother and entered the home she shared with her husband. The next morning, she was nowhere to be seen. Dashcam footage shows her car driving around Edmonton between 6 and 7 a.m., although there is a possibility that the times on this dashcam were incorrect. The car goes off the road. Nadia is reported as a missing person in the early afternoon. Her car is located by police by 4 p.m. in a ditch in Rundle Park. Inside, her car is her cell phone and a hijab. Outside of the car is one single running shoe that has not, as far as we know, been confirmed to be Nadia's. The last time Nadia was seen by her mother, Salwa, was on the evening of December 7th, 2017. Her husband, Ali, states that he saw her around 5am and heard her getting ready for work around 6am on December 8th, 2017.
1: We try not to engage in unhelpful speculation, but based on the details available to the public, there are a few hypothetical scenarios. The first is that Nadia somehow tragically ended up in the river. Perhaps she was disoriented from the car crash, or she could have wandered an hour away in distress into Hermitage Park, but it has almost been five years and she has not been found. For the second piece of speculation, some point to her mental health and marital problems as a possible catalyst for self-harm. But her family and friends vehemently deny these claims. Sawa has stated that without a body being found, this does not make sense to her.
2: Another idea is that Nadia ran away, but many think this is unlikely as she has close family, a son, many friendships, and a deep connection to her community. The last theory is that Nadia has met with foul play. This would have happened after her mother said goodbye the night before she went missing, so between 6 p.m. on December 7th and 7.20 a.m. on the 8th. Or if Nadia was indeed driving the car, then perhaps something happened to her after she crashed. With the information available, it's hard to say what happened to Nadia, but the main fact remains that she is missing and needs to be found.
1: On December 10th, 2020, Member of Parliament for the Edmonton Manning riding, Zayed Abutayef, stood up in the House of Commons in Ottawa to deliver this message.
2: Three years ago, a family in
4: my riding saw their daughter for the last time. Nadia Atwi told her parents,
2: Bye mom, see you tomorrow. That tomorrow never happened. Nadia has now been missing all this time, and her family is looking for any answers or clues for her whereabouts. I want to take this time to praise Nadia's family and community for their courageous efforts to locate her and working so hard to bring her home. I ask that everyone to do their best so that we can bring her home safe and sound. Every mother wants the best for their daughters, and they deserve that. We need to continue to advocate for initiatives to keep young women safe from those who who wish them harm. Nadia, if you see this message, we are not giving up on you. By delivering this message, Mr. Abu Abutayef was able to bring national attention to Nadia's story. Nadia's family have spoken to media, participated in interviews, and podcasts to continue to raise awareness for Nadia. They also run the Facebook group Missing Nadia Atwi, which has over 8,000 members. They post updates, search requests, and have materials that you can share. On December seventh, two 2020, Salwa and Akram, Nadia's parents, delivered this message.
4: Good evening, everyone. I just want to start by saying thank you to each one of you for your continuous support, for your kind words, for your prayer, for your beautiful messages and this long journey that it has started three years ago. December 7, 2017, exactly at 5.30, PM, I said to Nadia, bye mom, see you tomorrow. And unfortunately for three long, painful years, this tomorrow hasn't come yet. We have no update, no new information, no trace of Nadia, and we're still at the same spot when it started December 8, 2017. But we can't give up because she's our daughter and we're gonna keep trying our best to find her. But unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 and our continuous fight against it, we are unable to invite for social gathering or for physical searches. But we kindly ask you to help us by spreading the news again that Nadia is still missing. We are asking each one of you to share her information, her pictures, her posters, on your social media, December 8, 2020, which would be her third anniversary, just to keep spreading the awareness about her case. And to remind people that she is still missing, just in the hope that someone will see, hear, remember something and come forward and help us to solve this mystery. The pain does not go away, but you learn how to live with it. But without your help, we could have not done it. We are so grateful for the help that we have been receiving from our amazing community, and we keep asking you to kindly share on your social media Nadia's information tomorrow, and if you can, like spreading her poster in a high-traffic area, because we can give up. Nadia means hope, and we are still hoping that we will find her one day. Thank you so much for all your help, and please invite your friends to her page, whatever we can do to just keep her story alive. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
1: At the time of this podcast, it has been four and a half years since Nadia went missing. Four and a half years that her son has not seen his mother. and a half years that her mother and father have struggled to find answers she is missed terribly by her family her community and the students she taught please help this family by sharing her missing poster on social media and by joining the facebook group we will link it in the show notes of this episode and share it on our social media
2: on december 8th 2017 nadia atwi is described as having dark brown hair and brown eyes weighing between 170 and 180 pounds standing about 5'8", and was last seen wearing dark clothing. She may be wearing a hijab and may be missing one or both of her shoes. If you have any information about Nadia, or if you were in the area of Rundle Park on December 8th, 2017, at around 7am, please contact the Edmonton Police Service. As usual, we want to thank you all for joining us for this episode. Please join us on our new Patreon, which is launching on July 15th. Our producers on the podcast are Eloise, Janika, Sherry, Alexa, Urs, Donna, Dennis, Cheryl, Shelley, Kathleen, Mandy, Alicia, L.A., Vicky, Barbara, Colleen, Blair, Melanie, Alberta, Carolyn, Barbara, Shandy, Kelly, Jimmy, Jessa, Lisa Marie, Thomas, Maureen, Lorena, Colleen, Susan, Kennedy and Alex and Andrea. We'll see you all soon for a new episode. So until then, stay safe, everyone.
1: Stay safe.
0: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim?